know if you can hear me. Can you hear me? So praise the Lord. Awesome. Um, okay, tonight I'm going to be reading from uh, Luke chapter 10, if you can find that in your Bible. I was going to thank the pastor for um, putting me on tonight, but um, we are blessed to have a pastor like him who who uses each and every one of us and has faith in us and and we should be praying for him not just because he's sick but um, we should be praying for him as a matter of course so just keep our pastor in in your prayers Um, but yeah I do consider this a real privilege and honour to speak to you tonight to share the word of God with you Um, tonight I'm going to speak on something that everyone should want to achieve and that's how to live for God um, yeah, if you could open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10 and we'll be starting at verse 25. You see, the Bible is full, filled with how to live for God. Um, but we've learnt before how to survive living for God, but I wanted to take it a step back. Um, if you're building a house, you want to start off building by putting down a nice foundation. You can't build your house before you start with that foundation. There's still a lot of work to be done, but if you start with the right foundation, then you can be confident of the building. And the same goes for living God. And, yeah, we'll be looking at... um, We've already got the scriptures. If you've got it there, say amen. Okay, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up. Before we continue, it is important to know what a lawyer actually is. In this context, in this passage, it's not talking about a lawyer that we might consider, but it's actually an expert of the Mosaic law or the law of Moses. That is, he knew the Old Testament off by heart, possibly in a few languages. He could quote the Bible and teach the Bible. He had studied the Bible for years and he knew it better than anyone. This man had devoted his life to learning and teaching the word of God. So let's go back to Luke chapter 10 verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? It makes me wonder what this man's motives were. I think he either wanted to trick Jesus to make him look silly or he just wanted to make himself look really good. Jesus did not expose the man for what he was, but instead he gave him the opportunity to show off. Because in verse 26, he said unto him, What is written in the law? What readest thou? Now, there are 613 commandments in the Mosaic law. And this man could have gone into detail on each of them. Or maybe he could have just given a summary of the Ten Commandments. But he didn't do either that do that either and Jesus gave him a chance to shine and he took it he gave us the key on how to live for God he truly gave the most beautiful response he summarized how to live for God in one short statement this man who spent his whole life studying the word gave this answer in verse 27 thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength 
and with all thy mind, and thy neighbour as thyself. Verse 29. And he said unto them, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. Tonight I want to speak to you on how we can love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength and all our mind. This is important. Jesus said, do this and live. This means on the flip side, if you don't do this, you won't live. There are a lot of commandments in the Bible. And if we love God, we will keep them. Because God gave us these commandments because he loves us. I don't believe there are any commandments for his benefit, but they are all for us so that we may live. But to love God with all our heart, with our, all our soul, with all our strength and all our mind is easy to say, but it's a lot harder to actually do. And to love God with our, all our strength is an interesting one. You see, loving God with our strength has absolutely nothing to do with our physical strength. I'll show you, if you flip back to Luke chapter 4. Jesus is our example to follow. He taught us a lot of things, but he also demonstrated us how we should live. He lived the perfect life, and in a situation, we can always look to see what would Jesus do. Uh, so it's Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. And being full of the Holy Ghost... Oh, sorry. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. And when they ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said to him, If you be the Son of God, command the stone that it may be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The first point we need to look at when, when looking at this passage is when God says something to us, gives us a commandment, when we obey it, we'll do this and live. But when Satan speaks we should know it's a, more of a case of do this and die. In the example, Jesus demonstrates to us exactly how to God, love God with all our strength. Obviously, 40 days, Jesus was hungry. He had not eaten. He would have been physically weak and he would have been hungry. I believe Satan underestimated Jesus, though. Jesus knew how powerful, uh, sorry, Satan knew how, how powerful Jesus was. But he just didn't realize how strong he was. Like I said, Jesus was physically weak and Jesus was hungry. Just the thought of food for me at that moment would have made me go crazy. But this is how Jesus shows us how to love God with all our strength. As Jesus was hungry, Jesus spoke chose spiritual food over physical food. He chose God's will over his own will. He didn't say he wasn't hungry, but he said, God, I'm more hungry for you. How to love God with all your strength is simply choosing God 
over our wants by choosing God's way and not ours. It's to choose what is right, not what feels right. You may be feeling weak, you may be feeling hungry, but if you choose to serve God, then that is when you become more like Jesus. I, rem- I remember when I first started coming to church. Um, I couldn't attend on Sundays due to work, but God blessed me with a job working Monday to Friday. This is fantastic. I love going to church. I, I love the worship. I love to hear God's work being preached. I love getting together with God's people. Now, this might seem a bit silly to you, but this was a big deal to me. See, it was a Sunday, and my football team was playing. Now, I had to make this choice. I really wanted to watch the football game, but I wanted to go to church. You'll be glad to know I went to church. But when we choose Jesus instead of our wants, our desires, we are showing him we really do love him, And he knows it's not easy sometimes, but he has shown it really is possible. So if you can remember just one point from tonight, remember, choose Jesus no matter how hard it is. And sometimes it really can be hard. Addictions can be really hard to conquer. Some people are miraculously healed when they're prayed for. I've been told... When some people were baptised in the wonderful name of Jesus, they came out of the water completely healed, not wanting, not addicted to any substance or anything at all anymore. But for some it's, it can be hard and it's a struggle. That hunger can be so strong. Sometimes you feel alone and you hear a whispering in your ear, come on, do it, do it, do it. That's where I urge you, choose Jesus. So, point one, choose Jesus no matter how hard it is. There are some other things that will get in the way of of loving God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength and all our mind. A circumstance I want to talk to you about, every single person has to deal with it in church. In fact, it's probably more of an issue for someone who's been in church for a long time. The first one I like to draw your attention to is something I call the annoying thing on the wall. You see, when you first fall in love with someone, it seems that everything about that person you find cute or amazing. But after a while, you start finding what you used to find cute, you start finding a little bit irritating. After a while, those things that you found, you know, adorable, you start thinking, oh. Well, it can be the same. It might be hard to believe, but it can be the same when coming to church. It may be something on the wall for you. It may be the person singing next to you or dancing next to you in worship. It may, may not even be something in this room. You may be thinking about a football game or anything other than God. See, I think we have the very best worship and in this place. And it's 
the worship team aren't here for our entertainment. But they are, they are here so we may be able to come better into the presence of God. The worship team are here saying, come on guys, this is the way to come before God. Come follow us. But if you were getting upset over something on the wall, you know, if the, you think the music's too loud, too quiet, it's too hot in here, too cold in here, if they are playing the song too fast or too slow, guess who misses out? We are so blessed to have a pastor that studies the Word of God like he does and he teaches like no one else can. And all our ministers, I believe, are anointed and a lot of prayer and study goes into each message. And for what reason? It's for our benefit. But if you are focusing on something else, it's you who that misses out. I'm sure a lot of care and thought and prayer goes to everything in this place. There's, oh, there's no flashing lights or there's nothing that can deliberately distract. But it would be impossible to eliminate all distractions. And that might be a good thing. Well, you see, if you get distracted here, how are you going to live for God out there? If you can't worship God in here, how can you worship God at home? If you can't love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind in here, how can you possibly love God with, once you leave these doors? Chi-Chi's going to give us a demonstration right now. Chichi is going to read Luke chapter 4, verse 5 to 8. And the devil, taking him up into an high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will, will I give thee, and the glory of them... For that is uh, is delivered unto me, and um, to whomsoever I will uh, uh, I will give it. <laughs> if thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said uh, unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. For this is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thy serve. Thanks, Rob. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. That's right. I've got to demonstrate. You see, I always thought that was a weird thing for Jesus to say because Jesus knew Satan hated him, right? Jesus knew Satan really wanted him dead. So why would you want someone to stand behind you who hated you and wanted you dead? The fact is that Satan's 
strength, his ability comes in tempting us and he does that best when he's in front of you. So if you can remember two things from, thanks Chi Chi, if you can remember two things from today's, tonight's preaching, the second thing is we need to focus on Jesus. Okay. See, Jesus taught us when we pray we should go into our closet. We should go where there's no distractions, where we can really focus on God. I'm actually a bit of a mountain biker. I used to ride it quite a bit. I unfortunately don't much anymore. But I remember the first time I rode my bike, and as I was riding along, I saw a rock. And I saw... I was riding towards the road, it's like, that rock I want to avoid. So I focused on that rock. As I was going straight for it for some reason, I was like, yep, that's the rock, I want to avoid it. And as I went straight over that rock, I was thinking, yeah, that was the rock I wanted to avoid. See, the first thing I should have learned when going mountain biking is to focus on the way you want to go and not on the obstacle. And the same is true if you want to live for God. Experts say if we are not focused, it can be really dangerous. According to some statistics that I found, in 2011, over 23% of all road accidents involved a mobile phone. If you are driving while on your phone, whether you're making a call, texting, or just playing with it, the penalty for such an act is $400 and three demerit points. Why is that? Because the road safety people have identified this is dangerous. When you should be focusing on the road, on driving, you shouldn't be focusing elsewhere. And it is really dangerous with your worship too. Because if you focus too much on whatever it is, whether it's sport, whether it's movies, whether it's money, music, cars, your job, if you focus too much on that, then you will begin to worship them. So remember, focus on Jesus. So let's quick recap. First thing, we need to choose Jesus no matter how hard it is. Second thing, we need to focus on Jesus. In my business, I've seen many different types and sized companies. But, but to me, the ones that seem to run the smoothest are the ones that are really focused. Everything is organised. Everyone knows their role and their focus is on what they are doing. There are many parallels we can take with, how successful, with a successful business and how to live for God. It's good to have staff supporting, mentoring and encouraging each other like it is in the body of Christ. It's really good to have education and training for business. and We need to read and study the word. But the most important thing in business, it's not what you know, but it's who you know. If I, as a truck driver, want to put a resume in for employment at a certain place, they'll first look at my, just make sure I've got the proper licence. They'll see my experience. They'll look at my referees. Now, if I have it by chance, have Lindsay Fox's name there, who, if you don't know, is a trucking billionaire, if I had his name down in the referees, that would improve my chances from fairly ordinary to fairly good of getting the job. 
experts say that there are, that there's something more important than intelligent. They call this emotional intelligence. And it's basically your social skills, how well you interact with others and how well you can get to know others. So, yeah, it's basically the skill of getting to know others. And 80% of jobs advertised, oh, sorry, 80% of jobs available are never advertised. The key to getting a good job is something called networking, which I think is a fancy way of just getting to know people. The same is true if you want to live for God. It's not what you know, but it's who you know. It is not enough just to know about the God or to have good knowledge of the Bible, but what you really need to know is God personally. It's not good enough to hear about how good God is from people who know him, but you need to know him for yourself. The Apostle Paul would have been similar to the lawyer in our opening text. He would have had a, before his conversion, he would have had this nice job, well respected in society, comfortable life. He would have had everything that we consider valuable in this world. Um, I'm going to read from Philippians 3, 7 to 11. Because Paul found something much more valuable than that. He knew the scriptures well, but he knew there was much more to that than living for God. Too sick, sorry. Um. Okay, obviously everyone's there. Yeah, this is the most important point out of everything I've spoken tonight is really, really need to know Jesus. Okay, so it's Philippians 3, 7 to 11. With with good... No, sorry. Okay. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, 
and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable to his death, if by any means I might obtain to the resurrection of the dead. And actually, I'm going to read it from a different version because... In the okay, in the I think it's okay. This is a um, more modern translation. Um, Verse 7, but all the things that were very important to me before are worth nothing to me now because of Christ. And it is only those things that are worth nothing to me now, I think, that all... And is... Sorry. And it is not only those things that are worth nothing to me, now I think that all things are worth nothing because of Christ. The only thing that is really important to me is to know Christ Jesus, my Lord. That is the most important thing. I have lost everything for him, but all the things that I have lost are only like dirt to me. I think about them like that, so that I can have Christ. I can be united to him so that I am completely right with God. If I obeyed all God's rules completely, I could never become right with God. Only God can make me right with himself because I believe Christ. The only thing that I want is to know Christ. He rose to become alive again after he had died and I want to know in myself how powerful his new life is. Also, I want to have troubles and pain as he did. I want to become like him in his death. That is how I hope to rise from death myself. I hope to become alive again after death so that I will live with God always. So the very, the most important thing, if you want to live for God, is you need to know Jesus. And I'm just going to um, finish with this scripture. And th- that is... Um, I think it's a scripture we all know. It's in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 38. And um, it was a group of people and they wanted to know, a group of Jews, they basically were asking the question, how can we be saved? And obviously we need to know Jesus. And if you all turn to Acts, chapter 2, starting with verse 30. We'll start with verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were all pricked in their hearts, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? 
Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 39. For the promise is to you, to your children, and to all them that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The first point when we, when we want to know Jesus is we need to repent. We need to recognize that we have sinned and we need to confess our sin before Jesus. But it's not just that. We need to choose to, to stop that and we have to choose Jesus. Choosing Jesus is the best decision you will ever make. And when we get baptised in the wonderful name of Jesus, we are choosing to obey the word of God. Um, Yeah, so I'm just basically going to finish there. Um, But really, I urge you, you need to know Jesus.